Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to the Betting Above the Rim podcast, episode 19. Today's date is January 10th, 2024. This is Coach Young. In today's podcast, we get into five topics. Number one, Kawhi signs a massive extension of three years, just under $153 million with the Clippers. How does this talk and move of the Clippers moving forward, not just with Kawhi, but with the rest of the roster? Second, Uh, We'll look at about six players in the NBA who I think should be moved. Role guys may not completely change the landscape of the NBA, but it will fit needs for certain teams. Third, we go to the college game. I told you I was going to talk about Shaheen Holloway, Ryan Whalen, and the Seton Hall Pirates. They get a big 74-70 win versus Georgia last night. We'll talk about what Shaw and Ryan are doing because I think this is the second miracle they've been performing together coaching. Fourth, we look at the University of Kentucky, a team with one of the smallest budgets, high major, to one of the highest. Cal's team is rolling sixth in the country after a 13-point win uh, versus Missouri. We'll talk about how this team's moving forward. And lastly, if you don't know the name Juju Watkins, you got about 15 or 18 minutes to start looking up. Star player at USC, I'll talk about her, and the great players that have played for the Trojans. Once again, welcome to the Betting Above the Rim podcast. So let's get started with this massive news. Now, I wasn't supposed to start the podcast with this. I was supposed to start with Seton Hall, but when Woj and Sham dropped the bomb earlier today, a couple hours ago, that this extension was signed just under, uh, I do believe, $153 million three-year extension for Kawhi Leonard, it got me thinking about why, right? So when you start thinking about Kawhi Leonard, why is this happening, folks? Number one, Kawhi has proven this year that he can be healthy. Kawhi Leonard is now playing at the level of the claw that he had played with before. Remember, folks, before he got injured in the playoffs, in that series versus the Suns, he was playing better than Kevin Durant. He was playing better than anybody else on the floor until he got hurt. And that's been the problem with Kawhi, folks. If you think about it, since 2016-2017, Last time Kawhi has played 70-plus games. Now, we did have a COVID-shortened season. Uh, we had a season cancel- cancellation. But that being said, you, you can't mistake what Kawhi has done, right? He has elevated this Clippers team. And I know he's only giving you 23.8 points per game. But the thing that's been amazing about Kawhi is he's shooting at a 43% clip, which is the best he's shot since the 2015-2016 season. He's giving you about 6.1 rebounds a game, about his average. And he's giving you 3.4 assists, but it's the health and it's the defense and it's the play of Kawhi Leonard. I know James Harden just got there and he's been a big part of it. Folks, they wouldn't be anywhere where they are right now if it wasn't for the claw being on both sides of the ball and being available every game, back to back, three and four nights. 
And this now is a reason why the Clippers are starting to become a talk of can they win a title? See, earlier today, I was actually on uh, the early line with, with Donnie Wrightside and Ben Stevens, and we talked a little bit about the Clippers. And I've talked about, in fact, of this was a pivotal year for the Clippers, right? Because both Kawhi and PG-13 could opt out, right? So that gave an opportunity. And, and obviously, and Harden can leave. So those three big three guys, it became important for it to work. They're going into a new arena, their own arena next year. It's going to be fancy, phenomenal. Wait till you see this thing. So this was important for Kawhi to play, but also for Steve Ballmer to see that this guy could still be the leader of this team. And, folks, he is only 32 years old. He's got a couple of more years in the tank. So for the Clippers, this is great locking up Kawhi. We know he's not going to free agency. The now it goes to start to look at what do we do with PG-13 who could opt out and James Harden who's a free agent. I say this. If they do uh, make a run in the title, even if they fall short, I think if I'm Steve Ballmer, I have to bring them back because I'm stuck with this core. Obviously, Paul George, age 33, only one year older than Kawhi. So he still has a little bit left in the tank. And I think James Harden has been revitalized, and he's 34. So 32, 33, 34. So maybe the deals that they get, kind of like Kawhi, they may not be more than three-year deals, basically taking them to about their age 30, you know, 5, 36, 37 year, and then they can move forward. So that's a good move uh, by the Clippers. And obviously, folks, they have Tyron Lue, who I think is one of the best coaches in the league. And I'll say this right now, folks, the way they're playing, I know Minnesota's in first. I know Oklahoma City's been great. I know Denver's been fantastic. But the team I'm thinking right now that could actually come out of the West, if they stay healthy and he keeps playing like that, it's Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers. Let's move on to guys that may want to end up on the Clippers or somewhere else. And that's the trade deadline, which is approaching in about a month. So we have to start to look at, I thought it was a good idea to start looking at players that I think uh, will be moved and will be desirable destinations. So if you take a look at the list, uh, we'll talk about Malcolm Brogdon of Portland, Alec Burks of Detroit, Keldon Johnson, interesting enough, young player, San Antonio Spurs, and then the trio of Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, and Nick Richards. And let's get started first with Brogdon, who's giving you about 15.4 points per game, shooting at about 44% from the floor, 42% from three. And this is a guy that's always been able to score the ball. So when you start lining up uh, teams, right, who, who could use some bench depth, right? How about the New York Knicks? There's already been rumors that today from Shams, they're not going to maybe do that superstar trade. They need someone to come off the bench and kind of replace some of the scoring that they got out of Emmanuel quickly leaving going to Toronto. He fits them, although guys like Deuce McBride and Quentin Grimes have played better so far this year. What about a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers? Could they use a third guard to take some of the offensive pressure off of Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland with Garland? Obviously missing a good part of the season. When you go to the West, I think Minnesota can definitely use a backup guard, uh, someone that can score the ball. I think that would be something that would be beneficial to them. OKC for just honestly, for an experienced guy in the room. Um, and then obviously we talked a little bit about a team like Sacramento trading maybe 
for Siakam, but if they start moving like a guy like a Kevin Huerta I talked about, then he could slide in to that starting spot, Malik Bucket stands a six-man or vice versa. So I do think that is uh, something to look at. And then obviously a team like Dallas as well uh, can use another score. We've talked about that a lot. Folks, I'm not even going to bring up the Lakers because we can bring up the Lakers with every damn body on this list. So I'm not even going to mention any team I talk about, folks, the Lakers are going to be part of it. All right, let's move on. If you don't want to go with the more expensive version, get a cheaper version. Alec Burks. Alec Burks has had, really, folks, an underrated career, and he's shown his ability uh, to be a good basketball player, shooting the ball about 37% from three, giving you about 10.9 points per game, uh, 89.3% from the line. So these same teams would be looking for the same thing in the Alec Burks. And the Alec Burks, who's been very consistent and really been, listen, a lot of things have been more bad with the Pistons. Alec Burks' play has not been one of them. You know, he's getting 11.1 points per game in 19 minutes, folks. Think about that. So this guy can give you 15, 16 points per game if he's getting the consistent minutes, and he's been on a really good tear, scoring at least 13 more points uh, in four of uh, his last five games, uh, playing really, really good basketball, shooting all of his splits, a little bit down in the season with his shooting numbers, but obviously the three-point shooting is right around where it is. Three throw, uh, free throw percentage is better. So we'll see. Alec Burks is I something to look at. The next guy is Kelvin Johnson. I think Kelvin Johnson becomes an interesting case, folks, because when they drafted Webanyama, San Antonio, the thought is automatically, well, someone's got to go. You got Collins, Webanyama, Johnson, Sohan. So who becomes, to me, the odd man out? And to me, I think it's Kelvin Johnson. Not because his game isn't good, but I just think about the fact that they're building around Webby and this guy's making $20 million a year. And at age 24, he's going to give you a pretty decent return. Now, the problem with, with Calvin right now is, is he's never been a great three-point shooter. So he doesn't categorize himself as a three and D guy, right? But he's someone that I think uh, at 45% of the floor, 6.3 rebounds, 17.5 points. He can score in many different ways. So any team that's looking for, I would say, a, a small forward uh, because he's only six foot five, you know, kind of a three and D guy. If he shoots it better, like maybe a step below an OG and an OB. Folks, you know what? Think about it. Look at a team like the Philadelphia 76ers. If they want a young piece, right? A Kelvin Johnson could fit nicely in that starting lineup as a, a three and D guy, and he would fit nicely with Maxi and Embiid. But we'll see how that works out because obviously you have to think about Kelly Oubre, you have to think about Tobias Harris, so on and so forth. The last three, I'm just putting them all together because this team is just a hot mess. And ever since LaMelo went out, I thought this team was going to be bad to get to begin with. They're 8 26 going into tonight at home versus Sacramento. And that's the Charlotte Hornets trio of Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, and Nick Richards. So the reason why I look at Hayward is first off the fact that is now that they are obviously looking at getting the time uh, to Brandon Miller, who has been, you know, he's been up and down 14.3 points per game. I think you got to look at someone uh, like Gordon Hayward at 14.5 points per game, uh, coming close to his walk. I think this may be his walk, to be honest with you, but he's always hurt. That's always a problem with him. Age 33, he may be able to get you a draft pick, uh, a team that's looking for a, let's be honest, guys, a, a pretty good three-point shooter uh, who has a career shooting percentage of 37% from three. Bridges is the interesting case because 
He's so damn athletic and freakish. But the problems off the court is going to be the issue. But I look at him as like a like a mini Zion, right? Just dynamic, ferocious dunker. Um, can actually shoot the ball 35% or so from three, right? Can score the ball many different ways. Good rebounder. Good, good can be good defensively. So that's another guy you can look at uh, when you look at a small forward, Calvin Johnson, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges. Look at that fit at a team like the Philadelphia 76ers. And lastly, Nick Richards. Uh, I put him here because teams need backup bigs, right? So when you start looking at back teams, are looking to look for a backup big. Uh, obviously, when, when we talked about the Knicks with the loss of uh, Mitchell Robinson, maybe they look at a guy like that, uh, Nick Richards, Daniel Gafford. I think Boston could be in a market because you never know when Father Time is going to catch up to someone like Al Horford. Does Miami look to fortify their bench, so on and so forth? So you can go down the line and find a lot of places um, that would look at that, um, look at what a player like that. Maybe even a team like Phoenix could use a backup center like that. Let's move on to the college game. Oh, I've, folks, I've been waiting to talk about this for a while, okay? The job that Shaheen Holloway and Ryan Whalen are doing at Seton Hall has been nothing short of miraculous. You want, me to, you want me to tell you why, folks? See, before I started working at Sports Grid, I was a four-year associate head coach at Monmouth University, right, on the women's side. We used to go up of Common Paul Avenue to Jersey City to play St. Peter's. Folks, this place, and they've redone it, was one of the worst basketball facilities in the country. And that is not a knock on St. Peter's. It's a great institution. They just don't have the funds and the money. And Shaheen, who was the top assistant for, uh, obviously, uh, Kevin Waller uh, over at, uh, now is that Maryland. By the way, you see what Maryland's doing? Did you see what Seton Hall was was great? Yeah, well, Ryan, Ryan Real wasn't there, but you know who was there? Sheen Holloway was there, and he was done a great job of bringing those kids in. So Sean comes back home to his alma mater, right? Brings Ryan Whale in. I think Ryan was over at Eastern Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken. But Ryan, I've known for a long time. We've been friends for a long time. He's got Jersey Shore roots like I do. Those guys performed the miracle at St. Peter's. Forget the fact that they almost went to the Final Four. The fact that they can make the tournament with the lowest budget by far in the MAC. Ryan and Shaheen turned that around. So then they go to Seton Hall. And yeah, it was a little bit of a struggle, but they've turned it around, folks. What is the four of the last five games? Big win at Georgetown. They beat UConn at home. I was at the game last Saturday at Marquette. They beat them out. They beat them home. They went to Providence. I'm saying, you see that guy right there? That guy's one of the 10 to 15 best coaches and or motivators in college basketball right now. I'll say it. I'll put respect on his name. But y'all need to put respect on his name, too, for what Shaw has done. I want to explain something to you folks because I, I, I know things, okay? I know things because I've been around the game a long time. I'm, I'm, I, I have a lot of friends in the coaching community all over the country, men's and women's. If Seton Hall, who has one of the lowest budgets in the Big East, had UConn's budget, if they had UConn's NIL money, if they had Villanova's NIL money or Villanova's budget, Marquette's, they'd be the best team in the Big East. 
because that man can flat out coach his kids up. And he's got some players, folks. I ain't sitting there telling you that Seton Hall ain't got players because Shaw has gotten players and he has developed them nicely to a team, folks, that is ready for this. Ready, ready for this, folks? They're in first place right now in the Big East Conference, right? At four and one after their win last night. And they got some ballers, bro, that I wanted you to know about. If you don't know about Kadari Richmond, 6'6", 210-pound senior, getting your 15.9 points again, that boy can hoop. Now, listen, Kadari, brother man, brother man, gotta get, we got to get them three-point field goal percentage up. But Kadari can do his absolute thing and is a dynamic, dynamic score. Let's go on to the shooter, Al Amir Dawes. A <laughs> brick city in the building, straight from Newark, 13.6 points per game. Shooting at 37% from the, from three. And he has been really good, particularly the last two games, getting you 25 and 23 points. He was really, really good, especially in that first half, in the early in the second half, versus Marquette until Kadari really got rolling with what he was doing, right? What about Dre, Dre Day? Dre Davis, 13.4 points per game, 48.3% from the floor, 78% from the line. Dre is kind of the, the junkyard dog of the crew, and he's been playing well as of well. So this team in Seton Hall is going to make some noise, but I want to make sure before I get done, I give a little shout-out to the big man, Jaden Bianco. Probably said it wrong, Jaden. If I did, my apologies. About the 6'10 center. 8.7 points per game, 7.8 rebounds, playing really well at the center position. I am so proud of Shaw and Ryan for what they're doing. I just felt like I had to put respect out there because I don't think they're getting enough respect around the country. If they can win out this week, Seton Hall better be top 25 in the next uh, top uh, in the AP and coaches poll. Otherwise, I'm shouting everybody out. Next week. Let's move on to a team that's playing really well in Kentucky. 90-77 win last night versus Missouri. And a team, folks, that I've had – listen, I talked to John Fanta about this. We talked about this is a big year for Cal. Cal didn't get to the second round – I'm sorry, to the Sweet 16. There were going to be whispers that Cal was going to maybe be out of a job, right, with that buyout. Then I talked to Jeff Goodman. Same thing. But, folks – they have flipped the switch here, and they have well, I haven't lost a game since that weird, like, December 2nd loss at home to UNC Wilmington. And one of the big reasons why, folks, is they're getting healthy. And when you start talking about uh, this team, you got to look at the fact that they're very young, folks. And, 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 and listen, do young and dumb things. But this team is, is absolutely Fantastic here. And I want to start with Antonio Reeves, the senior of the group. 6'6 senior, getting you 18.6 points per game, shooting it at 42% from three, his career high. And Antonio has been a rock-solid presence for the Kentucky program for a number of years. But, folks, you got to talk about the babies, right? <laughs> how, about the, how about the play of Dillingham, right, bro? This kid, Rob Dillingham, coming off the bench. 
He coming off the bench and getting you 14.4 points per game, shooting at 44.4% for three. Off the bench, this guy's giving you buckets. And what about this guy here? Hey, well, I may, he may not think he looks the part, but boy, Reed Shepard plays the part. Getting you 11.9 points per game, 53.4% from three. So when he puts that, that sign up, you know what that means. Three up, three down. Because when Reed gets open, he's going to knock it down. So this guy here, Kyle Powell, Kyle Powell, he's loving life, right? He's got his players. He's got he's got one of some of the best recruits that he's had in a long time. He was the king of the one and done. But there's two freshmen that are heralded that are the reason why they're starting to turn it around. And the first one is a 7-1 monster, Aaron Bradshaw. Jeff Goodman came on the podcast last week and said that Aaron Bradshaw could be a top three pick in the draft. He's only giving you eight points and five rebounds a game in 22 minutes. But he is a shot-blocking presence, can do it all. And then lastly, you got to talk about DJ. That's DJ Wagner, Milt's grandson, Dewan's son. Can you 12.4 points per game? Hasn't been playing great, but folks, 14, 14, 16, last three games. Starting to get there. And if DJ can do that with the rest of that, he's like the fourth guard, folks. Maybe the fourth best guard in that team. That team can make a run. 20 to 1, folks. They're a sleeper pick. I think they're going to win the national title. Let's end today's podcast going to the women's side where I have extensive background. Folks, you know, women's college basketball has become really big in the last, I would say, 12 to 18 months, right? You know, the play of Caitlin Clark, right? Angel Reese, you know, the play of the two of them. Obviously, the play of South Carolina, you know, Aaliyah Boston. I can go on and on and on about the great players um, in, in college basketball today. You know, Kit Lee, the, the center out of Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, Paige Becker is who I think is, I think is the best player in college basketball. You know who's in the top three? <laughs> Juju Watkins. You heard of her? Maybe not. Well, listen up. So let me talk to you about Juju a little bit. Juju Watkins is the best player to come out this past year. Local kid, Pac-12, LA, and decided to stay home. And you know what? Shout out, shout out to Juju for staying home. So what's Juju getting you her freshman year? I don't know. 26.1 points per game, second in the country by Caitlin Clark. 7.3 rebounds per game, 3.7 assists. You know, I don't know. Shooting it at, at, a, at a good clip, you know, 44.5%, 42% from three. It's a 6-2 do-it-all forward. But it got me thinking, right? USC, folks, they have had – Legends, like legends. Like, I want you to pull this up here and look at what I call the all-time starting five, Juju Watkins. How can you forget about Lisa Leslie, who I think is one of the five uh, the, the five best WNBA players of all time. I put her in my center position of my all-WNBA all-time team, right? Then <laughs> not Reggie's older sister, Cheryl Miller. Don't, don't call her Reggie's older sister. That's Cheryl Miller, one of the greatest to ever play this game. If Cheryl Miller was in her prime today, she would give everybody buckets in the WNBA. But what about 
these two players that played for back then, folks, the Houston Comets of the WNBA. And that's Tina Thompson and Cynthia Cooper, two fantastic players that played. There's uh, Tina Thompson pulling up here over 2,000 points in their career. And then obviously there's Lisa Leslie uh, there. And then obviously Cynthia Cooper was one of the great players in the WNBA uh, once the WNBA started. That, that trio, there's Cynthia Cooper there. That trio of, of Cynthia Cooper, Tina Thompson, and Cheryl Swoops. Oh, my God, were they fun to watch when the WNBA started. So while we talk about Caitlin Clark, and we talk about Angel Reese, and we talk about, you know, we talked about the Cavender Twins, who's now going to go play for my buddies over at, at TCU next year. Uh, we, we started talking about uh, Paige Beckers, Aaliyah Edwards, started talking about Kit Lee out of Virginia Tech, right? Don't forget to talk about Jew, Jew Watkins. This has been the podcast, episode 19. For all the information that you need, just download the Sports Grid app. Everything you need to get you prepared for your sports betting in game, pre game, post game, props, predictions, and more. All of my scouting reports for college basketball will be exclusively on the Sports Grid app. So make sure you download the Sports Grid app wherever you can th- download it iOS. Android, Google Play Store. Next podcast will be next Monday, the 15th, MLK Day. We'll start to start looking at games later in the week. It's been my pleasure, as always, to be on with you today on the Betting Above the Rim podcast. Thanks to Vinny, and thanks, obviously, to my producer, Matt George, for a great job, as always. Remember, folks, it's always smarter to be on SportsGrid. Take care. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.